In a time of light, in a time of darkness, we gather together, seeking the solace of faith and to be found by the mercy of the living God. With tears and with laughter, with memories of the long years, on this day we share that which is good and that which brings us comfort and hope. Welcome to this time of worship here at St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name is Stuart and it's my great privilege to be the minister here. Let's listen now for the word of God. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 15 verses 1 to 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angel of God over one sinner who repents. These two stories are ones that we have probably heard before, especially the first one. So, a question. Who goes looking for the sheep? If this was an episode of QI, then the klaxon would probably have gone if you had said shepherd. This is one of those moments where we misremember or we mash together stories that we have heard Jesus tell about shepherds and sheep before, but actually in this story about the sheep, it's the sheep owner who goes looking, and that matters. It matters because the story is told in a context. It's told because the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This guy welcomes sinners and eats with them. These stories are a response to those people moaning about the company that Jesus keeps. Look at him. Look at the people that he hangs out with. He's supposed to be respectable. He's a rabbi, a teacher, a man of God. What's he doing with this lot? It's a good question. These special stories called parables are Jesus' answer. Which one of you, if you owned a hundred sheep and noticed that one of them was missing, wouldn't go looking for it? Which one of you wouldn't be like this woman who had lost one of her only ten coins? You'd be frantic like she was searching everywhere to find it. Here's a question though. How would you know that you had lost one of your hundred sheep? Would you even know that you had lost one of your ten coins? The only way to be sure is to count. And we count things that have value. We count things that are precious to us. Loss is a strange thing. Like Joni Mitchell sings in Big Yellow Taxi, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. That's one of those truisms. 
we all nod our head when we hear it because we know it's true, but perhaps it's more true for some than others. Sometimes loss is a surprise. Sometimes we didn't know just how much something or someone meant to us until it or they weren't around. But sometimes we know exactly how much we've lost and we're acutely aware of the value of it. In each of these parables, the titles given to them are about something that is lost. The parable of the lost sheep. The parable of the lost coin. There's actually a third story that sits together with these two stories about lost things. It's the parable of the lost son. We sometimes call it the prodigal son. A man had two sons and it turned out he'd actually lost both of them. He just didn't know it yet. In each of these stories, the sheep, the coins and the son, they're never actually lost. The sheep doesn't know it's lost. The coin didn't wander off. And the younger son leaves and knows exactly where he is all of the time. And the older son, well, he's at home. He's not lost either. The sheep owner, the woman and the father are the ones who have done the losing. And that's a problem in the story. I'll explain why in a minute. But did you notice the sheep owner who lost one of his hundred sheep reacts ridiculously? He only knows he's lost one because he counts them. You can't look at a hundred sheep and just know that one is missing. And why would you leave the 99 without protection to go and look for one sheep? And when he finds it, he picks it up and he carries it home on his shoulders. Sheep are big and heavy. And then he calls his friends to come round for a party because he's found his lost sheep. They would be like, what? What's he on about? A party for a lost sheep? Seriously? What about the woman? The one who lost her coin? She only knows she's lost it because she's counted those ten precious coins. She's the one who lost it. And it's really important to her. She should, well, she should have been more careful with it in the first place. But she also calls her friends and invites them to rejoice with her because she's found what she had lost. She's found what was precious to her. So here's the problem. These are parables, and parables are stories about God. And we want to make it about God, so we want to make God one of the characters in the story. And that's okay for the sheep owner. Look, God comes looking for us and carries us home when we wander off. That That's great. And the father, he looks for his son every day and runs out when he comes home. But he forgets to even invite his older son to the party. God doesn't lose us. God never loses us. And that means the stories don't work if that's what we think they're about. Oh, and God can't be a woman. So, you know, we just totally ignore the middle story. And look, the writer of this gospel tries so hard to tidy all of this up with the bit at the end. Just so I tell you, there is... Joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Sure, great, I get that and I'm glad it's true. Repent means to change your way of thinking. Sin is the stuff that distances us from God. So changing your mind, changing your behaviour so that we can live the way that God wants us to, that's worth a celebration. Absolutely. But that's not what happens in any of these stories. The sheep doesn't repent. It doesn't change its ways. 
the coin is still just a piece of silver. And we're left at the end with one son who has come home because he was hungry and broke, and another one who feels completely abandoned and unloved. Neither of them have changed. But there's great joy when each is found. So maybe these stories are about something else. Maybe these are about loss and joy. We don't like to talk about loss. That's because loss is a sad thing. But I think we've gone beyond that these days and in many ways we try just to ignore it. We make it like loss doesn't happen. We find it hard to say things in a straightforward way. We can be especially so when we're faced by the loss that's caused by death. Just a few days ago, Queen Elizabeth died. And that's undoubtedly a sad thing for her family and friends. It'll be a sad thing for some of us because we might have had an affection for her. It'll be a sad thing because she's been there throughout all of our lives. She's been one of the few constants. Most of us have never known another monarch. But what tends to happen at times like these is that they trigger our own grief. We're reminded of our own losses. We, like the sheep owner, like the woman and like the father who had two sons, we notice what has been lost to us. And in that noticing, we rediscover our sadness. We re-encounter our own grief. We feel our own loss. And that's okay. In fact, that's a good thing. But what's at the heart of our loss? I want to suggest that it's joy. I know, that sounds wrong. How can loss be about joy? Ask yourself, what do you miss? What is it that you have lost? We miss the things, we miss the people who brought us joy. The loss we feel is the loss of that joy. Tennyson knew it. It is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Here's the thing though, and the loss of those we love, our joy hasn't gone. When we start to remember well, we are reminded quickly of all the joy. We tell stories, and soon we laugh and cry, and then laugh some more. Theresa May's story about dropping cheese is one of the funniest things I've heard in ages. James Bond, Paddington coming for tea, they remind us of the joy we shared in those moments. These parables are, I think, stories that remind us about just how important joy is and how closely it's related to loss. Remember, the stories start when people complain that Jesus is having a good time with the wrong people. Their problem is that they are not joyful. Jesus is having too much joy, too much of a good time. He's having a good time with people they think are lost and not even worth looking for, far less celebrating when they're found. Jesus' response, be joyful. And if you can't, then perhaps be like the man who realises he's lost his sons and needs to do something about it because things that are lost aren't always found again. But if we can share in each other's joy, then we should. We should be as joyful as the guy who finds his lost sheep or a woman who finds her lost coin. We should celebrate with one another and weep with one another. We should tell our stories and remember, remember the joy that we still have even in our loss.
I recently had the privilege and honour of staying at Balmoral and spending time with Her Majesty the Queen. She was in good spirits, full of fun and strong in faith, a genuinely remarkable lady. This is a time of grief and thanksgiving for a life well and purposefully lived. Her family are in pain and sorrow, and I know they will value our prayers for them. Let us pray. Gracious and good Father, full of love and peace, you are from everlasting to everlasting, ever good and ever true. Your greatest gift to us is eternal life, and in this hope we place our trust. Today we give thanks for the life of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, who has now entered fully into the promise in which she believed. Long has she reigned over us, offering support and courage, a steadying hand in difficult days, and a kindly presence in times of peace and prosperity. We thank you for our life, so rich in years and in service, for our unwavering commitment to country, commonwealth, and every generation. For our trust in Jesus Christ, our devotion to the church, and our respect for other faiths, receive our thanks today. May she rest in peace as she enters fully into your promise. In their loss, comfort our family, especially our King as he assumes his new responsibilities. Assure them of your presence and peace, granting to them the consolation of cherished memories and the hope of your promised kingdom. And these prayers we offer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the joy of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.